KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Hi, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Glad you're with us. Hope you can be with us for the next couple of hours as uh, we will flaunt our location of our program throughout the morning. Uh, what a, <clears throat> This isn't work, Trent Condon. We're sitting in the left field bleachers at Principal Park. They have a day game today. It's getaway day, 12.08 first pitch is the Brewers AAA affiliate San Antonio and the I-Cubs wrap things up down here uh, today at the ballpark. 12.08 first pitch before they hit the road and then return next week. Uh, coming up on the program today, looking forward to this, Trent. We've kind of tapped around it a little bit as far as the Hawks and the clones that have made themselves eligible at least to be looked at for the upcoming NBA draft. And we're going to have a guy who's been helping us out for, oh God, uh, I have to think almost 20 years now, Chris yeah. Montour. Uh, who is collegebasketballnews.com, and he's at the Combine, and he's one of these guys that you can rely on for his opinion as to what he thinks, and we will do that uh, coming up here at about 1225. Bill Bender from the Sporting News. He covers college football. He's also been tabbed to uh, moonlight a little bit and get to Columbus and watch the Columbus Blue Jackets as uh, uh, they uh, face off with the Boston Bruins. So we'll do a little bit of hockey, but mostly college basketball. Zuba Mahente is going to be here. Uh, college college football, I should say, with Bill Zubin. Mahente, do you know where Zubin is, by the way? Uh, you, you know what? I told you. You, you told me right before yeah, the show today. Shoot. And I shouldn't be baffled, but I am. Zubin Mahente, a guy that you see on Sports Center seemingly all throughout the week. Yeah. Single dude, right? They, they get their money's worth from Zubin. Yep, yep. yes. And, no, look, at he's talented, too. Let's yes, be honest. Oh, absolutely. But he goes to some of the weirdest vacations. Yeah. Of, of, I, I'm going to guess anybody that is on-air talent at ESPN. I'm sure those people go to real nice resorts, things like that. Mm-hmm. Zubin, well, he spent a week last summer in, in Des Moines. In Des Moines. And loved every minute of it. Of course. And now he is in Oxford, Mississippi. And the reason he's there, or one of the reasons he's there, is because he heard me opining about when I covered the Liberty Bowl a couple of years ago mm-hmm. uh, in Memphis when Iowa State was down there, took a road trip uh, one day. Um, you know, I think I probably joined you from the road and bagged the coverage that day. Yeah. Uh, and, and my wife got in the car and drove 90 miles from Memphis to Oxford, Mississippi, and so glad that we did. It's, it's It was unbelievable. And Zubin was listening to me opine about that and put it on his list. And there he is. So we'll talk to him. As we go around the world of sports with Zubin, uh, we'll do so today at about uh, 11.20 or thereabouts. But Trent, as we mentioned, we're down here at Principal Park. It's getaway day, 12.08. We're in left field. You know, um, every time I come down here, and I've been coming here for 30 years now, and I got here on Memorial Day weekend in 1989, the very next week, trying to discover the city that I'm now calling home, um, I ventured out. Really, for the first time, from Altoona, I was staying at a hotel in Altoona, and ventured downtown Des Moines for the first time, and came to a to to the ballpark. Joe Girardi was catching that night mm-hmm. for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was uh, boy, I'd love to go back and find the uh, uh, find the roster from 1989 on that early June or late May, whenever it was, just to see some of the names that were on it. But man, this is such a gem, you know. Yeah. This is such a jewel. Des Moines is so lucky to have this to have this. In our city. It's an immaculate minor league ballpark. And I remember growing up, it was never on the radar to go 
make the trip down to Des Moines and go to an iCubs game. And the Cubs, iCubs have done such a great job of, of building the community. Now, I think a big part of it, you know, for where I am, it's, well, it's even closer to the Metrodome back then than it was here. Mm-hmm. But now the people come here, and I talk to people back home, and, hey, we're in town, we're going to catch a game and things like that. That was never on the radar. It was go to Adventureland, and that was about it. Right. But now... As people have come here, and I think a big help of that has I been... I know where you're going, and I agree with you. Go ahead. Well, the, the high school yes. level, the games that they're... In fact, I got one on the schedule coming up this summer with our high school broadcast, a 11 o'clock game, I think, with Van Meter in action. But the state baseball tournament, mm-hmm. the people that are able to see the park and see, wow, what a venue this is, coupled with the regular season games that are in here, other people have an opportunity to see the ballpark and how good it is. Immaculate, you're exactly right. Yeah. I, I remember walking in the first time, being blown away when I came here. And it was when I moved here 12 years ago. I'd never been to a game here. I didn't anticipate this. I mean, mm. I've seen minor league parks. I, I've seen Waterloo and, and the ballpark that they had and some other minor leaguers that I've been throughout the time. This, I don't know where it ranks compared to other ones, but it's got to be towards the top, doesn't it? No, it really does. I mean, there's some new ones, and I'm sure they're spectacular, mm-hmm. too. But uh, we are fortunate, no doubt about that. I did the PA here. When I was living in Denver and I would fly back to visit my son who has just you know, just been born, um, I would stay with a guy by the name of Rick Rungaitis, who was the assistant general manager. He's Randy Wayhofer's that now. Sam Burnaby was the GM at the time, and mm-hmm. they'd put me to work, and I'd do the PA. Oh, nice. Really. I had a ball. had a ball doing it. <laughs> really did. Ozzie Timmons was making his way through the minor leagues at the time, and I would I, I borrowed, I guess, What's the voice, Bob Casey from the from the Metrodome? Remember the name oh, Bob yes. Casey? The long no time smoking, no, no smoking. smoking in the dome. Smoking is not allowed. And he would do Kirby Puckett. Yes. And so I borrowed that when it was Ozzie Timmons and got quite a charge out of the uh, the home crowd. But uh, that's awesome. Down here at Principal Park today, twelve oh eight. We're in left field. You know, I've never sat at the. I've only been to Fenway Park once, mm-hmm. uh, and I never sat on the wall. I'd love to sit on the monster out there. This has to be pretty close, right? I mean, yeah, no, yeah. it doesn't have the reputation of the wall. There's mm-hmm. only one left field wall in Major League Baseball that anybody knows about, talks about, um, and its place is very secure. But sitting out here, I mean, we're, the warning track is right below us. Yes, and, and I've sat out here one other time for a game, and it was awesome. A lot of chatter. Now, it was a Saturday night game, so I maybe had a couple cocktails in me. Had some things to take. Chad Curtis was playing for the other okay, team. Okay, yeah. And uh, we, we asked him why he was playing in Iowa, and he had some fun with us back and forth. But I mean, you're, you're right there. The action is happening right in front of you. You get to see the bombs every once in a while. They come mm-hmm. up here and, and even get a souvenir from time to time. But a great vantage point, a great place to be, and uh, excited to be out here. It, yeah. It's really it's fun to get out. We, we like to be in our home studio, our beautiful home studio, KXNO, but... It's good to get out. No, I'm with you. I think we'll be down here a number of times. Well, the long toss is underway. Looks like the starter's getting to limber up a little bit as the uh, some of the boys making their way out of the clubhouse. And I don't know if they'll do BP on a day game today or not. They had a double dip yesterday, so I'm assuming they, to, if you wanted to get your cuts in, you were able to do that yeah. uh, over the uh, 14 innings that were played down here yesterday. Um, Colin Ray yeah, yesterday. Yeah, he pitched, right? Help me yeah. out. So Colin Ray was a, a kid from here in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Played a cascade over in eastern Iowa. Really good prospect coming through and went to the Padres. He was in the Futures game at Tommy John. and So how long ago was he in the Futures game? That was 2015. Okay. Uh, 2016, he was on the opening day roster for the Padres, and then Tommy John came. When they signed him this winter, that was one that I said, because tons of upside with him, knew there were some issues, I think, with the Padres and, and some things that came up during his rehab. And, you know, we'll have to ask Tommy Birch, I know, knows a lot about mm-hmm. that story. We'll ask Tommy 
a little bit deeper, uh, kind of inside of it. I bet if we waved over there, I'm not, no, not, I don't know if he's listening or not, but right. we've got a pretty good view of the press box. I'm guessing Tommy's sequestered up there already. He's getting his notebook out, and he's going to be ready to go. But Well, also that, they feed the, they feed the press ah. early, and if you're not there, you know you want to get first dibs. So. Right, right. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that Tommy's <laughs> doing that. I was just, I remember when I used to be here. <laughs> Free meal. I got right. to do it. I have to do that. So with Colin Ray, and, and one thing that I wonder is something goes wrong inside that rotation. You know, you Darvish, another injury, mm-hmm. or whatever it may be. Kyle Hendricks has struggled. Is Colin Ray that guy? Is he? I'm not saying Kyle Hendricks is coming down. Right, here, right, right. But, but maybe there's something there. Yes, absolutely. Where there's a reason that he's mm-hmm. been hit around harder than we've seen the last couple of seasons. Is Colin Ray the guy then that steps in? Because you, know, you go back to last year. Remember the guys that they'd call up from the iCubs to start or get a spot start or whatever it may be, or a doubleheader after a rainout, and they really struggled. I mean, they, they struggled finding that guy. Maybe Colin Ray is that guy. So good news for Cubs fans if he can be, but he's been outstanding. He was outstanding again yesterday. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, Trent, if he gets that opportunity. Well, the big Cubs yesterday, oh, boy, I love those 541st pitches. Kind of a weird start, right, in the Pacific time zone, a 340-day game. I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, Len and J.D. brought it up as well on the broadcast. Just odd. But you know what? Worked out well for everybody. Um and the Cubs bats my, with the exception of Albert Almora, who admittedly yeah. is, are you all right down there, Johnny? Now? You're okay. <laughs> um, John Sellers on site producing here. <clears throat> Just wallow a flyer. He's all right. Um, so Almora, not good. I mean, Trent, the, the at bats yesterday, he, he was, it was an adventure. I mean, yeah. he really looked like any, they put him in the leadoff spot, but man, oh man. Everybody else oh, came hitting the ball. Yeah, a lot of pop. Yep, Bryant, Rizzo. I mean, those, Contreras those, hit one out. Who had been struggling? We mentioned that just yeah. the other day. How Baez hit one out yeah. again. This team offensively, this is never going to be the concern. It's never going to be the concern of they're going to be able to score enough. You know, last year was last year a little fluky. All the one run games that they lost yes, and those one nothing games had to have been. They, they set a major league record. Right. That's unthinkable with the guys that were in that lineup. There are reasons we talked about Chris Bryant. He wasn't healthy all year. I mean, that shoulder mm-hmm. certainly bothered him all season long. Contreras, he got wore down. He did, no doubt. And, and you go up and down that lineup. They're going to be able to score. The question becomes, going forward, I still believe, is about the bullpen. And But everybody needs bullpen help. Isn't that the cry almost across Major League Baseball yeah. right now? Unless you are, I don't know, a couple of teams seems like everybody needs bullpen help, and maybe there's not a whole lot of bullpen help Not a lot to there. go around, Trent Condon. It's a coveted commodity, no doubt about that. But the uh, Cubs and Cubs cards tomorrow begin a three-game set at Wrigley Field. We'll have Brian Walton on. Of course, we carry the Cardinals on KXNO. When, we're, uh, when we can get it in, uh, the Iowa Wild, and glad that they are taking some of that uh, Cardinal uh, airtime, if you will. Boy, last night went to overtime. Would have mm-hmm. loved to steal that one, Trent. And it was that kit that I brought up with Joe O'Donnell, Cody Glass, who... Uh, was the Golden Knights' first overall draft pick in their existence. Mm-hmm. I think they drafted six overall their first year. They took a kid by the name of Cody Glass, 29. He got the overtime winner yesterday. Kid's going to be in the NHL next year. He's he's, he's a star. Um, but, man, if they only could have got game one. You know, if you get game one, you've got at least a split in your back pocket before mm-hmm. you come here. I don't want to say that tonight is... A must-win game because the the series really never starts in a seven-gamer until a home team loses. Um, but man, you want this one tonight. You want that split before you get back on the bus and come home from Chicago. You know, digging that kind of hole against a team as good as Chicago is, team that was the best team in yep. the Central. 
that has guys that you mentioned that are going to be up in the NHL next season. Yeah, it feels like if they realistically are going to win this series, you almost have to win game two so, because Trent. I mean then you're you're staring at the face of having to win all three games at home, three in a row against a team of this caliber. And really, you got to win four out of five if you lose this mm-hmm. game. Win four out of five against this team, really tough. But it, a lot. it's not an absolute must win, but it's, it it's as like close it. as it's going to be. Yeah, that's why last night just uh, yeah. And, and with the, what less than two minutes left in yeah, overtime, yeah, they too. almost got through the first overtime yeah. session. Uh, but uh, Cody Glass ended it. Andrew Hammond apparently was terrific reading the, uh, the stuff that I did, and uh, so we'll see. We've got the game tonight. I'm assuming it'll be mm-hmm. the same time, six forty-five, with the pregame, and then uh, Joe O'Donnell and uh, the crew will have game number two of that one. All right, let's move around the world of sports. Uh, by the way, game three, the first time that the Wild will be back in this series at home is Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. So um, you don't you don't have any plans ballpark the team is going to be on the road the iCubs are gone so if you're looking to do something on Sunday afternoon it's a three o'clock puck drop pretty good time actually yeah. I think for families church is over you know it's Sunday night at home you want to be spending the night on home with the family or watching dragons watching Game of Thrones <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have plenty you. of time, but not, not just me. But it will be me, <laughs> yes. but it's certainly not just me. All right, NBA last night. I, I was on the NHL. I didn't watch much uh, of the uh, Trailblazers and the Nuggets last night. Uh, the Trailblazers led essentially the entire way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you watched most of it. Yep. Is it fair to say that they were in control the entire way, or did the Nuggets make it close? They, they, made a, they had a couple of runs, but, yeah, it was basically a 10-point lead throughout there was one time I think they cut it to four, and it felt like, all right, here we go. And it was answered each and every time. And it wasn't, you're, of course, used to Dame Lillard doing his thing, mm-hmm. but McCollum was really good, too, well, last And night. so it wasn't, Lillard did not carry this team like he's had to. Right. Uh, Monte Morris, I, I, again, I watched maybe ten minutes in total. Mm-hmm. Every time I watched it, he missed a shot. Yeah, that's he good. struggled with his shot last night. And, and that's always been really the knock against him, especially at that level with the deeper NBA three. Is, is he mm-hmm. going to be consistent enough where teams can just sag off him, cut off those driving lanes, and most importantly for him and the way he plays, cut off the passing lanes because he is such a good facilitator. And you're right. But he didn't turn a ball over last night, did no, he? No, no. had six assists, yep. but not knocking down shots. And at that level, if, you're, yeah. if Monte Morris is going to go from a nice backup point guard to that next role, He's going to have to develop the shot. Even that more. separates him at this point. Yeah. He's still he's still going to get paid. He's going to have a nice end yes, NBA yes. career. Uh, there's a spot for him. And when the starter went down, Lad Murray went down, he got his minutes and, and took advantage of that early in his career. So um, good for him. What do, what do we got tonight, NBA-wise? Is there one more than the just other? Just one game Another tonight. single game tonight? Yeah, really? Just Toronto-Philly, right? It is. It'll be as game the three. scene shifts. I was surprised by this. Take a guess at the point spread for tonight's game. Well, Philadelphia's favored, and they're favored by five and a half. Philadelphia is a dog at home. I'm surprised by that. One and a half is the number, but I saw that. I figured, yeah, it'd be home team, Sixers, after what they did really? in game two, favorite. I couldn't wrap my mind around that. Now, I went from thinking about how I was going to bet the game yeah, before I saw the line. It seems too easy. You know, yes. i got to reevaluate. These now. guys don't miss this trade. <laughs> I mean, we talked about that with game two with the Bucks and yeah, Celtics. we did. Seven and a half. That seems like a ton of points. They went by 20. Mm-hmm. Same thing here. This one seems really, really odd. So i got some reevaluation to do in with the NBA tonight. That's been a fun series. I think that's going to be a real good series. Really all four of these series. I mean, last First night, round was awful. Second yes. round has been much better. Portland-Denver doesn't exactly move the deal outside no. of Monte Morris right. and the local connection. But that's a good series. I, I think that's a 6-7 game series. Same thing here. Toronto, okay, we got the Nick Nurse angle, but overall not. And Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, yeah. And 
you got Joel Embiid, Kansas, yeah. you can play that. But overall, oh, he's fun to watch. Yes, he is. But these are going to be excellent series. The other thing, uh, speaking of betting, take Golden State. They're minus 175 right now to win the title. They're not losing four out of five no, to the Rockets. I don't think so. And nobody else is beating them. I don't, you think? Nobody in the West. No, I don't think in the West. But who? Uh, look, the Celtics are a different team in the playoffs. Yeah. To beat that Golden I know, State I'm, team. Maybe it's wishful thinking on my part. Minus maybe 175. I, I dabbled on that one. Did you? Yes. I, it just it seems oh, maybe too easy, but up to nothing. That's what changed it for me. If this was 1-1 going back to Houston, I would not have that. Because before the series and, and after watching the two games, I think Houston could have beat Golden State. But to now to have to do a 4 out of 5, I just can't envision that happening. So that's one place that I jumped on. All right. So since you brought up sports gambling, and uh, shocking that you did, um, <laughs> I want to I want to kind of segue um, to well, Randy Peterson did a piece yesterday on Kirk Ferentz and Matt Campbell and their reluctance to to comply, if indeed with the not not not, not let me rephrase that because they'll comply with it if they're told to. <laughs> they don't really want to be able to or be participating in the national player availability availability report that is being recommended or going to be talked about here in the weeks to come. I go back to last year at Big Ten Media Days. It was a huge, huge talking point. Mm -hmm. I didn't go to the other Power Five Media Days. I'm assuming it was brought up there as well, but I know firsthand that it did at the Big Ten. Delaney was really on front street in this. He seemed at the time, and, and, and maybe it was just, you know, lip service to be that this was something that he was interested in being the first Power Five conference to initiate. We know that some schools already do that, right? Wisconsin does it. Mm -hmm. Northwestern does yep. it. They come out with their, air quote, injury report. It's got to be different in college because we're talking about student athletes here. They don't want to list the injury, and I'm perfectly fine with that. It's not out knee. Right. It's, it's questionable. It's probable. It's game-time decision. You know, if, if those are the three categories that someone on – uh, each of these school staff is required to submit. Look, trans sports wagering is all about transparency. Mm -hmm. If someone has an edge, if somebody knows that Drew Tate's not going to play or Jake Christensen's, who was it against Syracuse? Yeah. Jake Christensen, right? Yeah, yeah. Jake Christensen got the start, and we also saw a little Jason Manson. Jason Manson, right? Um, but, but you know, when a quarterback is gets hurt on a Monday and everybody assumes he's going to play, yet people around the program, any program, um, knows that, no, he's not going to go. We're getting our backups ready. Remember the hubbub leading up to the Cyhawk game when Brandon Scherf hurt his knee, had surgery on Monday? Or was it Balaka? I thought it was Scherf. I was almost positive. Was it? Yeah. Okay, well, I remember. But, but the lead-up yes, regardless no, I remember of who that. it was. Yes, 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 I remember that. And Ferris was pissed. I mean, he was upset that mm -hmm. people were even mm -hmm. even bringing it up. This is an in-house matter, and he went out there and he still played. But that's going to be at the forefront. Yeah, no and doubt. It, and it has to happen, right? I yes, mean, no, I agree. It has to happen. Yeah. Uh, and coaches won't be happy that it's going to happen. But look, there were how many states as they as as states got set to finish their legislative session. Mm -hmm. Fast-tracked this one. Seemingly, they had no chance of going. Tennessee was one of those. Indiana was one of those. I think Illinois is close. Um, we know that we're close. I mean, the, the yeah. bill is on the governor's desk waiting for signature. Now, I know that she mentioned something in the last couple of days that there's a good percentage of Iowans. And she's right. If the surveys that have been done, she's not making that up, that there are a number of 
Iowans that don't support legalized gambling on sports uh, in in the state of Iowa. But sadly, no. But not. But <laughs> there are too many big, powerful outfits that want this. See this as the gambling lobbyists and the casinos. They want this in the worst way. Mm -hmm. They don't think it's a cash cow because it's not. But it's going to get people in the doors and maybe they'll buy a beer or a hot dog or they'll go downstairs and they'll find, you know, a slot machine or Mm -hmm. a card table or, wow, I didn't know there was a steakhouse here. Look at the menu. This looks pretty good. That's what they're looking for. They want to get you in the door. Sure. traffic. Absolutely. Yeah. And look, once once you sign up, you won't have to go back there but it's still and the events that that'll come out of it and you know what i do want to go out there for the super bowl no trent i'm telling you it's more yeah and i agree with you i've told you this many times i love nothing more when i'm in vegas even by myself maybe more so by myself (laughs) to just you know once i'm done at the office to just sit in the book Mm -hmm. i don't have to bet just watch all the games and kind of get ensconced in the atmosphere, yeah. right? The bad beats, the euphoria of a of a shot made or a field goal missed or whatever the case may be. It is so much fun to not live vicariously, but just kind of be surrounded by it. The people watching aspect yes. of it. Just seeing the people that are up there, the people that are going nuts, the way that the interaction happens between two sides. I always love that, too. It, it feels like sometimes inside of a sports book, that everybody kind of migrates to whatever side they are. You'll have half the the right side is on one team, and the other half mm-hmm. is on the other, yep. and the back and forth. And sometimes it's good nature ribbing, and sometimes eh, maybe it goes a little bit too far. But that fun component of it too, it is it's an experience, yeah. and that's an, an experience that they don't have at the casinos right now. No, and you don't have it at your home either. I mean, it's mm-hmm. one thing, the convenience thing, and I get it. It's yeah. a January game, and your your wild card Saturday or Sunday, and. It's miserable outside. It's, you want to stay home, but there's times that you you got to go there just to just to get caught up in it all. All right, EKG Golf. So we've got that promotion got ongoing. We're going to throw Sandra down to momentarily. In fact, I I just heard the sounder now. We'll there tell it is. you that uh, we will come back and we're going to talk to Chris Monter. What about the local guys that are going to at least test the waters in the nba chris monster joins us next ad what is that keyword of the day it is time to go for the green with kxno and ekg golf just text the keyword hockey to 200 200 right now to enter to win a thousand dollars cash again that's hockey to 200 200 standard message and data rate for your business des moines sports station 1460 kxno Welcome back, Miller and Condon, live at Principal Park. Portions of the program brought to us by FullerDental.net, Dr. Stephen Fuller. A couple of locations over in eastern Polk County. They're on East 29th Street, also 410 8th Street Southwest in Altoona. FullerDental.net, if you're in the market for a dentist, FullerDental.net. Principal Park is where you can find Trent and I. First pitch today is 12.08. We are sequestered in the left field bleachers in the skybox out here. Uh, Just a beautiful vantage point of uh, one of the gems of our fine city, Principal Park in downtown Des Moines. Well, let's talk college basketball and on to the NBA. Chris Monter's been joining the program, been with me in a variety of shows over the last... Chris, how long have you been doing this? Good to talk to you. It's Ken Miller and Trent Condon. 15, 20 years. Chris, how long have you been at this? 
Yeah, actually, a little bit more. I started when I was four, so that made it a little bit easier <laughs> to transition. But yeah. yeah, good to talk to you. We've got a lot of ground to cover with you. Obviously, we want to focus on the locals, the Cyclones, and the Hawkeyes, and um, that are that are going to at least uh, attempt to get some of getting feedback, as we know that we believe that's the case with Wieskamp. Taylor Horton Tucker, on the other hand, he seemingly is all in. When you look at Horton Tucker, he's six foot four with a long wingspan. Won't be nineteen, Chris, until. November. Uh, he looks as though, if Trent and I were to forecast, uh, the one guy that's going to hear his name potentially, you know, late in the first round, Horton Tucker, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, you're right. I mean, obviously, the draft, until they change the rules, is going to be dominated by young players. And you look at the, the top three picks, most likely will be Zion Williamson, John Moran out of Murray, Murray State, who is the old man as a sophomore. And then R.J. Barrett, so a lot of young players. And that's one of the things the league is looking at, obviously, is, you know, especially with the way the collective bargaining agreement is and how long a team can hold a player's rights. You want them, you know, um, you know, the younger players who you feel have the upside. I always feel that that maybe is a little foolish. I always feel like seniors who have played, you know, 140, 150 games in a Big Ten or a, you know, Pac-12, Big 8, you know, um, Big Ten, et cetera, level, are maybe more ready to step in. But obviously, uh, Horton Tucker is a player that a lot of NBA scouts know very, uh, have watched throughout the season. Obviously, like you said, he has uh, a big upside. And again, I think that will help him when it comes to the NBA draft. Horton Tucker, Chris, he got an invite to the NBA Combine with it. Obviously, an even better chance of all the scouts and GMs to get a look at him. How important is that for a guy that, you know, you see a lot of times late first round, maybe early second round, and, and that difference is obviously a huge one. How important was it for Horton Tucker to get that NBA Combine invite? Yeah, definitely. You want to get that positive feedback from the NBA people that you belong in the draft. You know, if I'm a player who doesn't get an invite, that maybe makes me think about maybe going back to school. And sometimes I always wish the NBA would maybe be a little – tougher with some of the kids that maybe you don't think are ready and, you know, maybe push them towards going back. But obviously a lot of kids, worst case scenario, if you're a good younger player, even maybe if you're not quite ready, at least you're getting the opportunity to get feedback from the teams, work out in front of the teams, either individual workouts or at the NBA Combine in Chicago, and, and learn what you need to work on. And worst case scenario, when you go back for one more year of college, a lot of scouts are going to say, hey, I remember that kid. He was in last year's draft. He was a good player, but maybe need to work on this. And then all of a sudden they're going to watch maybe a little closer. So I think that's definitely a big thing. Um, you know, I sometimes think the combine is a little overrated. Obviously, it's much like the NFL combine, a lot of things about based on athleticism. I remember, you know, people made a big deal years ago about Kevin Durant, you know, couldn't bench press uh, the, the necessary weight, yet he's, you know, arguably one of the top two, three players in the league. So I, I sometimes think, you know, it's a little overrated. I remember Troy Bell, uh, who's a Minnesota guy who played at Boston College, tested out as the best athlete, but yet really never made it in the NBA, unfortunately, due to some injuries and, and maybe not being on the right team at the right time. So I, I think the combines are important. Obviously, you want to play well there, but I sometimes feel like you and I could sell our soul to the devil, somehow play in the combine, have three, four good games, and you'd be a first-rounder. So I, mm. I think sometimes they're a little overstated, and I also feel that Good and bad is a lot of the NBA scout, uh, NBA scouts have seen these kids throughout the year, but a lot of the coaches and assistant coaches really haven't seen any of these kids just because they are busy with their own teams. So sometimes kids can have really good showings in front of these 
coaches who hadn't seen them, and all of a sudden they get excited about them, yet the scouts might not be quite as high on them. But obviously, I feel anytime you got a chance to play in front of NBA people is always going to be a good thing, and, and hopefully he can play well and increase his NBA stock. Uh, so help me out with Tyler Cook. Went through his junior season, uh, entered the, uh, went into the draft last year, stayed in almost uh, right to the end. Him and Lindell Wigginton from Iowa State. We'll get to him in a second. But Tyler Cook, so athletic at six foot nine in a league of, you know, of a bunch of talented athletic six foot nine guys. Came back, worked on his mid-range jumper, got marginally better at that. Tyler Cook, is there a chance he hears his name called in the second round? Where are you on the Hawkeye Tyler Cook? Yeah, I, I think he has a chance. Obviously, you know, when you look at the NBA draft and the way things have changed with the draft so much, so many players putting their name in, you know, you're going to probably have over 100 kids who are underclassmen putting their name in the draft. And you look at the draft, there's only 60 picks, 30 in the first round, 30 in the second round. You do the math, obviously there's some good players that are going to undraft it. And I always look at that. If, to be honest, if I don't get picked in the top half of the second round, as much as you want to hear your name called, and maybe it'd be very disappointing not to, I sometimes feel those players are better off not getting their name called because now you can kind of pick and choose what team. And you look at you know players like Wesley Matthews, you know go back in the days. Ben Wallace is one of the best rebounders, shot blockers in the league. Was never drafted. Brad Miller from Purdue, a Big Ten player. A lot of your listeners might remember from back in the day. You know, played in the All Star game a couple of times. Was not drafted. But I think Cook has a good chance, you know, of getting his name called somewhere in the second round, as you mentioned. You know, I thought made some strides in his game, learned what he needed to work on, and I could definitely see him going somewhere in that second round. Uh, and again, it just takes one team to like you. And mm-hmm. again, I've always questioned the NBA teams a little bit with the draft. I always feel like they don't value the draft as much as they should. Teams will sell and, and basically give away second round picks. Where I feel like if you're a team, say like Minnesota, where I'm based out of, uh, you know, they're really struggling with the salary cap because of. of couple players, Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, getting max contracts. So if I'm a team, I look at players maybe who are going to make the minimum but can contribute when needed and pay them, you know, a million or whatever you're paying them to be the 12th, 13th, 14th man on the bench rather than paying somebody $8 million. So to be honest, I I would look at more younger players, uh, you know, like a cook who's played, you know, 100-plus games at a very high level and maybe is more ready to step in than a guy who's just played one year of college basketball. The other early entry from Iowa, Joe Wieskamp, most everybody anticipates that he'll be back for his sophomore year, but chance to be evaluated, get a, a chance to see what he needs to work on from NBA scouts and GMs. When you, when you look at Wieskamp, what would it take for him, though, to stay in the draft, to get a good grade? Do you anticipate, is there a path for him to, to find his way onto a roster this year and decide, you know what, I'm going to make the jump right now? Yeah, I mean, obviously, to me, if I were a player, I would say if I'm not going to be a first-round pick where you get guaranteed money uh, for the next several years, I would probably lean towards going back. But like you said, it's a good opportunity for him to get his name out there a little bit more, learn uh, what he needs to work on. Obviously, the drills are important that they do. A lot of the NBA teams do the similar drills. They'll do those at the Combine so a player can work on things that he's going to need to jump to that level. You're right. I think more than likely they just figured, why not put my name in? There's no real harm. And if for some reason, like you said, he just blew people away, maybe he stays in the draft. I think you're right. The feeling is that more than likely, and I'd say very likely, he'll be back for one more year with the Hawkeyes. 
Uh, how about uh, two Cyclones I want to pick your brain on? Chris Monster, College Basketball Talk, is our guest. Uh, Lindell Wigington, who is an unbelievably athletic guard, but maybe a tweener. Not sure he can play point. He's six foot, what is he, six foot two, uh, but an athletic as you know what. And then Cam Lard, who is, I mean, he's not coming back to school. He's going to earn a paycheck somewhere. I think the NBA's a stretch for the six foot eight junior. But Cam Lard and Lindell Wigington, your thoughts on those two Cyclones? Yeah, you're right. I think Lauren probably will play, you know, whether it be in the G League. And obviously, I think the G League is going to try and be a little bit more of a true minor league. Uh, obviously, I think they need to increase the salaries a little bit to make it more beneficial for kids to, to look at that league rather than going overseas. But, you know, there's a lot of players who play, have played a long, long time overseas and, and have loved it. Uh, a lot of guys I know from the Minnesota area, you know, talk about, you know, how much they've learned from being overseas and, and getting a chance to see a different culture, different environment. And, uh, and to be honest, making pretty good money playing basketball and doing something they love. Uh, when it's, you know, I, I think you're right. A little bit of a, a, a little bit of a combo guard. Does he have a true position in the NBA? But the NBA has become a little bit more of a positionless league. You know, kind of going smaller. You know, a lot more emphasis, obviously, on the three-point short, shot over the last few years. Uh, but you know, maybe in a little tough spot just because of the size. Because if I'm a team, to be honest, drafting the second round, I'm probably going to draft you know a six ten, six eleven guy over a 6-2, just figuring he has a little bit more of an upside. But, you know, again, it only takes one team. And uh, the nice thing with the NBA is with the summer leagues out in Vegas and Orlando, a lot of those kids will be invited to those camps, get a chance to play against good competition with all, you know, 30 NBA teams, scouts, general managers being there to watch those players and hopefully get an invite to a, a training camp. And, and worst-case scenario, if you're not drafted, you know, try and fight for a spot on an NBA roster. You mentioned at the top of the draft Zion Williamson and anticipated he'll go number one. He was absolutely dynamic in his only year at Duke. But there does seem to be at least a few people out there, I don't know if they're just hot take artists or what, that aren't exactly sure how his game will translate to the next level. Where do you sit with Zion, and is he a, a lock to be a star in the league in your mind? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing about him. He's not really like anybody, any other player, really. You know, you hear comparison, you know, Charles Barkley, Sean Kemp, Rodney Rogers. Uh, NBA people like to compare players to, you know, uh, other previous players, kind of, you know, what their game is like. But his game, like you mentioned, is really not like anybody's. He's so physically dominant at times at the collegiate level. Uh, the question is, can he carry that over to the next level? But he's a player who really seems to like the game, really seems to enjoy his one year, and you know, uh, as a college basketball fan, I like all teams. You know, there's certain teams maybe I like a little better than others just because I know the coaches, I know some of the staff. But to be honest, most fans I know hate Duke. Unless you live in Durham, you hate Duke. But yet, a lot of people really seem to like Zion Williamson and like Duke this year. So I think that says a lot about his character, you know, the way he presented himself. And I think he's going to be a major marketing uh, person in the NBA and any team that gets him, obviously, I think he's going to sell a lot of season tickets. Will he need to work on things in this game? Yes. But I think he really did a lot, even in his one year at Duke, to improve his game, show that he's more than just a dunker. Everybody saw the highlight reels, YouTube things before he even got to Duke. But he showed that he can put the ball on the floor, you know, willing to pass, can play defense, do other things. Uh, he's the second heaviest player in the NBA if you're in the league right now, which is amazing for a player who's athletic, who can jump the way he can. But you know, still needs to improve on certain aspects of his game, but I think has a chance to be a, a very, very, very good long-term player in the NBA. 
Chris, we'll impose on you if that's okay after the combine is uh, all said and done, and we will uh, uh, catch up with you at that time. Chris Monter, thank you, Chris. Appreciate you coming on, as always. Great talking to you guys. Hope you enjoy the game and have a great day. Thank you, buddy. Chris Monter joining us, College Basketball uh, talk.com, collegebasketballnews.com. Mm-hmm. We will take a time out. Bill Bender from the Sporting News joins us next. We'll ask Bill about this availability report that seemingly uh, is on a fast track in, uh, to be instituted in time for the upcoming season. Miller and Condon, we're live at Principal Park. We're on Des Moines Sports Station, 14th. Number one podcaster. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. Millard Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. We're live at Principal Park, downtown Des Moines. Getaway day for the iCubs today. Play San Antonio, the AAA affiliate of the Milwaukee Brewers. First pitch is at 12.08. Then the team hits the road back the following weekend, May 11th, I want to say. Uh, that weekend, the uh, team is back in town. So, a uh, decent day. A lot of rain in the forecast over the next eight or nine days. Maybe opportunity to play a little hooky from the office come on down catch a few innings bill bender playing hooky from college football trent condon he has been tabbed by the sporting news to cover what i think has been the best series uh in these playoffs in the second round there's been some good ones it may be unfair to you know slight some of the other ones but man i am into this columbus blue jacket boston bruins series bill bender's been at nationwide for the home portion of it no surprise i mean he's usually tabbed uh, to cover the cavaliers when they've been making the run in the NBA playoffs, but Bill joins us. Bill, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on. How's things, Bill Bender? Yeah, yeah. I got lost the Cavs this year, picked up the Blue Jackets, like you said, game four tonight. We'll be over there, and tonight's the big one. Uh, I mean, if Columbus gets this one, it's going to be hard for Boston to come back, But uh, and they have the hot goalie, so yep. the pressure's on the Bruins tonight is the way I see it. No, I'm with you, Bill. And look, I love what they did at the at the trade deadline. They went out, they got in Matt Duchesne. They kept their own guys, right? Bobrovsky uh, and Panarin, two guys that probably are going to be playing in a different city le- uh, next year. And when that's the case, you want to get something in return. You, you you send them to somewhere else at the trade deadline. But Columbus knew that they were good enough if they got in to make a run. They kept their guys, uh, and and it's paying off right now. My question to you in the, on this, and Trent's going to you know kick me under the table here if we don't get to <laughs> college football in a second what's john tortorella to to work light as a member of the press he can be you know he can be pretty short i think he's a terrific hockey coach i do i love his the way he works uh these press conferences your experiences with columbus blue jackets uh hockey coach one of the most decorated coaches in the business well they got good people on the beat uh, aaron portland with the athletic jeff Kubota. um they've got really good people that cover him on a daily basis i was just happy the other night i I got a question in, and he answered it, and it wasn't three words. And he said, it was, you know, it was a key play in the game, so I didn't miss. And <laughs> I'm an admitted hockey novice, but, you know, you get the – I get the general idea of it, and uh, I know what to watch. And it's not all that different than college football, guys. I always uh, – maybe I'm old school, maybe I'm boring, but uh, I always say, you know, if you've got good defense, you've got a chance. And, and those teams certainly – the Blue Jackets certainly have a – good defense like several of the teams in our new top 25 yes and we'll get to that i'm yeah. glad you brought that up well done bill Benders. that's what i got set up right here all right mr hockey let's move into your other expertise and that is college football what a start uh, with that top 25 you have iowa state in there at number 23 but no iowa and, and both these teams have been on the fringes 
Some, both the Cyclones, in or out, or just out of the top 25. Same thing for the Hawkeyes. Let's start with Iowa, who you have outside of the top 25. Was it the schedule or something else that you decided to not put the Hawkeyes in there? Well, I, I think most, and, and I, we just put up, because I like, as you guys know, I like doing the, the positive ones more than ours almost, because I like to see everybody. And I was right on the fringe there. So basically, among these, they're the first team out. So in these composite pools, and that's with USA Today and CBS and ESPN and SI, um, you see a trend with the Big Ten. You're seeing the first three teams ranked are going to be Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And then you're kind of seeing everybody pick two to three Big Ten West teams, whether it's Wisconsin, Northwestern, Iowa. I think Minnesota was ranked in one of them. Everybody but Purdue and Illinois. And Purdue probably should could be ranked too. So I think it's just kind of sorting out who those Big Ten West teams are going to be. And, of course, Nebraska. Nebraska will be a popular ranked team because of their early season schedule. Uh, Bill Bender from the Sporting News is our guest. Bill, this is maybe a tough question as we sit here on May the 2nd. What's the game of the year in your mind? LSU-Texas got a chance to be huge. Um, game of the year. I know Notre Dame's got an early opponent. I think it's Georgia. They play early in the season. What's a game of the year, Bill Bender, in your mind? Well, I think the non-conference games of the year, there's probably three. Um, at least in September, I'd, I'd go Texas a and Clemson. Uh, because if A&M somehow pulls an upset there in Death Valley, it would really flip the season and increase their rating. Georgia-Notre Dame, to me, is probably an elimination game in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Because the loser will have a hard time, I think, going undefeated the rest of the way. Um, now Texas-LSU is kind of that game for me, though, just because I think both of those teams are kind of right on the outskirts of making a playoff run. LSU, of course, has to go through Alabama. But if Texas wins that game, and within, I think, five scheduled games dating back to last year, takes Oklahoma to the wire after beating them, beats Georgia, and then beats LSU, the buzz around Tom Herman and that program will be through the roof heading into Big 12 play. They've got a Heisman candidate at quarterback. There's no doubt about that in my mind. How about you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, he's kind of a Tebow-like player, and I, I know we don't like to make the – comparison games but he can i think he's probably a better passer than tebow was too because he gets and he has the luxury of throwing to guys like colin johnson perhaps brew mccoy and you know they've got two good running backs and he hits you again in the running game with that kind of bruising style so and he's he's developed a reputation as a winner he's come a long way since he was battling for shane bouchelle just to start and i think some of those early um struggles he had actually made him a better quarterback. Imagine that. Somebody struggles a little bit, and they got, come out better from it. Bill, want to get your thoughts. Uh, Big Ten East and Penn State. James Franklin has had some really good years there. Last season, Trace McSorley, able to do a whole lot of different things, and it was anticipated that it would be Tommy Stevens coming in and just taking over after playing a bit of a role a year ago. He decides, though, right after spring practice that he's going to transfer, coupled with double-digit guys that have been in the transfer portal from Penn State. What do you read into that, if anything, and what's the quarterback position, maybe more importantly, for this year going to look like at Penn State? I'm probably going to be Clifford at this point. And, you know, Stevens hasn't announced, it's my knowledge, unless it happened this morning, he hasn't transferred yet. Um, 
which would be the next wrinkle for them. I mean, obviously, you guys watched McSorley. McSorley, to me, I, I, I don't know where he'll go in the NFL in terms of how long he'll hang around with Baltimore. All I know is he was one of the most exciting college football quarterbacks I've ever seen. And, and I, I don't, I'll sign that. I don't care. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it is a big year for Penn State, Trent, because it's not their, – their season the last couple years has been defined by that Ohio State game and the inability to close and the fact that – you know, it's easy to tee off on Harbaugh, but then when you really look at it, Franklin's 3-12 and against Michigan State, Ohio State, Michigan, and two of those game wins were in the same season. Yeah, you got to win more than that. Yeah, <laughs> that that's, that's not going to fly. Hey, Bill, um, speaking of not going to fly, last year we were both the Big Ten Media Days. I know, I believe you covered the SEC, and maybe this came up. Uh, the availability report is where I'm going. But it was a big talker, Bill, as we think back to Chicago last year. Delaney seemingly uh, was try- was getting out front of that, and maybe it was, uh, was alone in his stance at the time. I know it's come up again this week in the uh, meetings that are underway um, in Arizona right now, but the the chances that availability are going to be put in place the availability report with available possible or unavailable without listing the injury i mean sports gambling is expanding i don't have to tell you that uh do you think that this will be in place by week one of this year a standard availability report that everybody whether they want to or not are forced to fill out i i hope so but it's not going to be easy i mean you guys know dealing with the big 10 it's hard because there are so many I mean, I, I, Jim Harbaugh is the first one that comes up. He he doesn't mm-hmm. give you a depth chart most weeks. Right. Um, some of the other coaches, when you ask them the injury questions, they they dog, dip, dive, dodge, duck, you know, all those things with five Ds, and it's really hard. So I don't know how you I, – I think they sh- probably should do it in a similar fashion that the NFL does it. Um, but – when you're dealing with 130 schools with 130 universities with 130 different kind of sets of rules for those schools, that's going to be tough to do. Bill Benner joining us from the Sporting News. Bill, final thing for you, a bowl game at Fenway Park. ACC and the American are going to play. We seemingly have bowl games everywhere. Where would you like to see the next bowl game, the next one to get the stamp of approval you got a stadium, you got a location that's at the top of your list? <laughs> Put one Pickerington, Ohio, so I can just go down the street. <laughs> now, um, I, don't, I don't know why they're putting one in Boston just from the standpoint, you're going to be cold. And I always yes. thought that, you know, the, the Big Ten guys like us, we always looked at bull games as, as they should be in warm weather. They should be in a mm-hmm. dome. Um, it's tough to play in some of these places in the cold. I mean – you know, I, I think there there are so many, and people complain about them. And now I believe Brett McMurphy tweeted it with something to the effect of 65% of the teams get in a bowl game. Well, if you don't like bowl games I was, and you don't think they matter, I was saying this week, ask the coach that doesn't make a bowl game in the Power Five if they matter or not. Very good point. Bill yeah. Bender, Sporting News. Bill, listen, when we talk to you, we're almost at the point where it's weekly now. Next week, uh, I'll text you a reminder on this, but week three of college football, we think that there's a pretty good chance that game day is going to come to Ames for the first time ever. Iowa, Iowa State week in Ames, both teams potentially ranked in the top 25. I want you, if you would, to take a look at that week and, and you know, from an outsider's perspective, kind of come up with the games that maybe might prevent uh, game day from finally making its way to Ames. So we'll do that next week with you, Bill. We'll read you, as always, sportingnews.com as you 
you cover the Blue Jackets and the Boston and college football, uh, and you're terrific at doing so. Thank you, Bill Bender. Hey, thank you for the time, guys. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely talk next week, and I, I got a homework assignment. I'll take care of it. Thanks, pal. Good to talk to you. Bill Bender, Sporting News, back with Hour 2, live at Principal Park. We're Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460.